Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. In a suburb near the industrial city of Wollongong in New South Wales, residents want to shake things up by electrifying their homes all at the same time. They hope they can get rid of gas and coal from their lives, while showing the rest of Australia how easily it can be done, how well it works, and why it's a huge part of reducing our emissions. Today, Australian Stories' Olivia Rousset on the man who's helping them make it happen. Olivia, I want to talk to you about how we're all going to have to make this rather big switch in our lives to electricity in the years ahead. But to get an understanding of that and what it looks like, I want you to tell me about Sol Griffith. He's an Australian, but he's made quite the name for himself in the US, hasn't he? Yeah, I sort of heard about Sol through a book he wrote, but I, I, I refer to Saul as the most brilliant Australian you've never heard of, mm-hmm. and that might be starting to change, I suspect. A lot of people have heard of him, but he spent pretty much all his adult life in the US. He got a scholarship to go and do his PhD at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. MIT was good for me and did well for me. One nice thing, I got the MIT Student Prize for Invention. From there, just went in leaps and bounds to, you know, invent some of the most incredibly successful climate tech and robotics and all sorts of stuff. Mm. After that, a friend of his talked about him and said that he's infinitely generative, um, just has one good idea after another. You know, every time Saul gets in front of the room, you can feel everyone have a lot of fresh energy for... Oh, this is this is a good idea, isn't it? A guy called Saul Griffith confesses to being one of those types who observes the world with a keen eye and then gets his buzz out of tinkering with it. Saul, nice to meet you. Good to see you. Nice to meet you, George. But, you know, also incredibly optimistic mm. and... A compulsive optimist. Yeah. And we all should be, I suppose. Exactly. And as he said, nothing ever happens without hope and optimism. Mm. And I think, you know, we can see that in a lot of issues, especially in climate, because he's also a scientist as well as a very positive, optimistic guy. He thinks he's found a way forward and that's what he's selling. Can we really help save the planet just by being ourselves? Well, yeah. Yeah, and he he said about rewiring America. Like this guy. Rewiring America. Which sounds rather ambitious. Oh, it's incredibly ambitious. Probably six years ago now, he got the Department of Energy to get him to map all the the energy data in the US Mm. in extraordinary detail. I had been interested in energy flows forever, and I convinced the Department of Energy to fund us to do a study mapping in the greatest detail all of the energy flows from the supply side to oil platforms, coal mines, gas pads, all the way to the machines at the end. So your toasters and your cars and your ovens and your air conditioners. But what really caught his eye was the detail that was used in homes all over the US, down to the level of going, all right, this is this is what you use to, to cook and this is what you use to heat your house and this is what you use to wash your clothes. And he sort of said that no one had looked at it like that before because he found through this study that 42% of carbon emissions in the US came from 
household use, including cars, I should say. Mm, huge amount. Yeah, massive. And so it was this kind of, you know, light bulb moment um, mm. for him, I guess, where he went, well, this is a really, this is something we can do something about. We have to get 50 cent reductions by 2030 to stay on target for a climate target we want. So we need, it's go time for the stuff that works. And if we do all of that as fast as we can, we buy ourselves enough time for the big science funding to come in and create the solutions for steel, for long distance air travel, for agriculture, because they're not ready yet. Mm. And he took this mapping that he's done, this extensive research, to politicians in America. Yeah. What did they then do? With that information, well, he he it wasn't all Saul. He did mm. he he started the whole process with a good friend of his, Alex Lasky, who was also this very successful sort of tech entrepreneur in Silicon Valley, and then they pulled in this guy called Ari Matusiak, who used to be special counsel to um, the Obama administration, mm. who had all the political connections. I was just a political naive. I thought that politicians write policy. I learned really quickly that a lot of policy is drafted by lobbyists, and so we had to become a lobby group. The idea was the Biden administration came in during this period where they were trying to sell the message, and the, the way they sold it was by saying, not only is this a way to lower carbon emissions, this will save people money, uh, because once they install these machines, they're not going to be paying an inflationary cost, you know, coal and gas it got, continues to go up, whereas renewables won't. A lot of rewiring America's ideas about how to make this accessible to people ended up quite centrally in this massive bill that the Biden administration passed called the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm, climate um, bill. Yeah, climate bill. <laughs> the US Senate has approved a sweeping $620 billion climate tax and healthcare package. How will it toast to rewiring? Vice President Kamala Harris cast the deciding vote. The bill authorises the largest spend on climate action in US history. So, Olivia, Sol Griffith, he's had this huge impact in America, pretty instrumental in designing basically the US climate bill, which is rather impressive. But now he's back here. So I gather he wants to, what, rewire Australia now? Probably wants to rewire the whole world. Yes. <laughs> um, and he continued. He did the work actually in the US, a lot of it from Zoom in north of Wollongong. Mm -hmm. And... Saul is kind of irrepressible and he's a real character. So I imagine he gets into conversations all the time with locals and people started finding out who he was around his area and sort of talking about, oh, yeah, we're involved in climate action and what do you think we should do and this, that, the other. And he just said, why don't, why don't you start up a, a community group and try and rewire your community, get everyone doing this thing that they've, they've passed the bill to push through in, in the US, but mm. do it off your own backs um, and see how you go. And it was just picked up with such enthusiasm that, you know, it rolled on from there. Mm. Saul had the vision for a fully electrified suburb. We all just said, great, let's make it here. Soon, households in the 2515 could have the opportunity to join a generously subsidised program. Yeah, okay, and they ended up calling this group Electrify 2515. <laughs> yeah, 2515 is the, the suburb, the postcode, I guess. Yeah. But initially, re so he formed Rewiring Australia as soon as he arrived, I think, probably. Mm. But because he was in his suburb, I think, and these guys had him on tap at the local pub 
as a, as a font of electrification inspiration, they kind of really got cracking and they had 500 people within four days sign up to say they wanted to be a part of a pilot. All right, without further ado, our fellow 2515er and the Spark Reignited uh, program. I've been talking about climate energy and electrification for about 20 years all over the world to all sorts of audiences. And this is the most intimidating one by yeah. far. <laughs> because you're my neighbours and if we screw up, <laughs> you, know, you literally know where I live. Within not very long, they'd actually got 1,500 people on board, which was enough to do the testing yeah. of the grid and the various things they wanted to do. Mm, so these are the people that are saying, OK, we will be part of this pilot to rewire our own homes so that they're fully electric. Yeah, so the idea is, Saul says, you know, there are six machines, in inverted commas, in your house that need to be converted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, next time the stove breaks down, replace it with an induction stove. There's air conditioning, reverse cycle air conditioning, which is a heat pump. Same for hot water. Most people don't know about hot water heat pumps, um, but they're incredibly efficient, much more efficient than gas boosting or the old electric coil heat pumps. Um, solar on the roof battery on the side of the house and an electric car. So they're the six things that they say would, would make a, a house completely electric. Our house doesn't have a gas connection. So we started electric and we've gotten more electric. We've got a beautiful sunny roof. So we've got 10 kilowatts of solar installed. The only two things we don't have are we don't have an electric vehicle and we don't have a battery. The cost on them is coming down. That sounds rather expensive. It's not a cheap thing to do. Yeah, it's expensive to do all at once. Mm. So they had to get subsidies to do it. And Saul reckons about 20 million is what they need. Doing anything first requires money. And we're asking our community to take a risk. So we're actually looking for about $20 million in funding from a bunch of different sources. McKean is the treasurer and the energy. So they've got an application in with ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency, for half of that funding. And they have to find the rest of the uh, money to go forward. But it's it just enables the people to subsidise them to buy these things. Uh, they'll still have a cost, but if they decide to keep the machines after two years when the pilot's over, then the savings will be accrued mm. in the future as they're not paying for electricity. Mm, and pretty big savings. I mean, I think he was sort of suggesting over 10 years you'd be saving about $42,000, so it's not insignificant. No, it, it can. I, I think it, it depends. Like obviously households that have a, have big bills will save more. Mm. Um, but, yeah, savings on one of their calculations was 42000 over 10 years after you install the machines, not including the cost of the machines. Mm. And what are people taking part say? I think one of the arguments I always hear about particularly gas versus electric cooking, people always say, I don't want to get rid of my gas cooker because it's much more efficient, it's so much better, I don't want to cook. I mean, what are they yeah. saying, the people that are taking part? It's become a culture war now. Like, yeah, it, you totally. know, in the US too, it's like, take my gas cooking out of my cold dead hand. And, you know, <laughs> like Saul said to me, my mother used to, when she grew up, she had a coal-fired stove. <laughs> yeah. You know, no one fought for their coal-fired stove to stay when gas came in. One of the guys in the pilot suburb moved into a house that only had an induction cooktop and he said, oh, I thought I'd miss gas cooking, you know, and everyone remembers share houses with these terrible electric stoves that just are cold, 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 cold burning, you know. Mm. But technology's come a long way. I thought I was going to miss gas cooking. I don't. It's really fast. It literally boils a pot of water faster than a gas stovetop. 
This is just a pilot in a small area of Australia, but as you've already mentioned, Sol Griffith has very big plans and big ideas. So what's next with this? So the pilot really is, I think they see it as a lighthouse project where people can just look to it and go, oh, it's a bit like the induction stove. Your friend's got one, you see it and you go, it's not that scary. Mm. You know, it's okay. Look at these people. They're not, um, their cars aren't conking out on the way to work or their, their water's not running cold at night time. So he's doing two things. He's just showing, wants this pilot to show that it can work and debug it, as he says. But I think the bigger thing is actually getting politicians on board to rewrite policy and regulations to mm. make it possible. It was very hard to be optimistic 10 or 15 years ago because there weren't enough of the technological pieces in place. Now, thanks to progress in science and engineering and scale, you can pretty much narrate the solution by which we solve climate change. It is a race to the finish now and it always will be. Olivia Rousset is a producer with ABC TV's Australian Story. If you want to know more about the government's plans to force big polluters to cut their emissions, have a listen to our episode, Labor's Plan to End the Climate Wars from February the 14th. That's in your feet. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Sydney Peed, Sam Dunn and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.